Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your hosts, Dr. Doug Carriger and Mrs. Stephanie Wesco. Great to be back with you folks, and happy January to you. Here we are, almost in the middle of January already. With me, as always, is my friend, uh, co-host Stephanie Wesco. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning, Doug. How are you this morning? The dream. Living the dream. Man, what a great Christmas. I had great presents, and I'm here to report to you that I, I do have a cappuccino espresso chai tea latte maker again. We had bought one for Aww. my son years ago. And uh, my son, Daniel, and my sweet wife, Debbie, uh, chipped in, bought me a huge present, not big in space, but huge in my heart. And I can make, uh, you know, for people coming by, I can make those lattes and espressos again. I can, I can wind up Daniel and Charles again and Jill next hey. time you guys come through town. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I appreciate that ministry. Um, Daniel actually wanted one of those, but um, he looked at the price and was like, Forget it, Mom. I don't want you spending that much money. Oh, so, yeah. It's ugly, man. Yeah. We have a, we have a, uh, it's not a Keurig, but a Hamilton Beach coffee slash, you know, K cup coffee maker now. And so we're feeling pretty special with that. So, well, I, it, it's taken me years to get to this place where I have one. You know, yeah, it, it's, I, a, I started drinking coffee probably, I don't know, 20 years before you were born. So, uh, it, it takes a little while to get the good one. You did not. You would have only been five unless you were really drinking coffee at five. I was really drinking coffee at five. I would have been four. I'm only 24 years older than you. So not quite a quarter of a century. But we were, you know, I'm telling you, kids were different in the 60s, man. You didn't have soda. You didn't have, you didn't have. Between that and the keys to the communion closet, Doug, yeah. I know. And yeah. I now understand. And you, a little more. you have a, you have a good picture of what a weirdo looks like. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite things when I was a little kid, honestly, is mom would take in, I guess it would be coffee milk, but she'd take a half cup of coffee and a half cup of milk for me. You know, we'd get the milk delivered back then, which they're doing again now, but milk was delivered. You know, you'd get uh, quart bottles, glass bottles, and we get like eight of them a day. We're a real large family and, the milkman would come and you'd put the ones from the day before out and they'd leave, you know, you were always a day or two ahead. And, and, uh, but I can remember the deliciousness of, you know, just a half cup of coffee and a half cup of milk and mixing them together and, yeah. uh, just loving it, man. So I drank a lot of coffee back in the day and then I got, I don't know, I got away from it, but here we are. So as we move along and, 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 you know, Stephanie, in this 11th proverb, I mean, we're looking at standing upright. We're looking at integrity. We're looking at pride. We're looking at balance. We're looking at being fair, not being slothful, not being uh, a backstabber, all those types of things. And, you know, I think it's a refreshing thing to look at at the beginning of the year. I, I do. I think it's good that you go through these things. And 
um, you know, usually you have a, a given sermon in a lot of churches, you know, at the some stewardship thing going on somewhere in the beginning of January or I don't know, you know, the church I go to now, it's people give a lot of, you know, people have been given a lot. Thank God money's been up the last few years. So we probably won't have that. Uh, I don't remember a few years of having it here, but a lot of churches and certainly done right go through stewardship. And I think part of stewardship, Stephanie, is uh, being a steward of our humility and pride and what God has for us. So I'm really glad we're going through this. And, uh, but we got this one segment we always do called the Naughton Knuckleheaded Moment. Today's Stephanie's turn and just realizing that half the population are knuckleheads and we don't want to be like them. So we do it for a few reasons. First, we, we do it. So you know what a knucklehead looks like Two, So you're not a knucklehead and three on that blue moon, that rare occasion where it's funny. So Stephanie, with that, uh, you might be a knucklehead if. You might let me think here. I had one on the tip of my tongue. You might be a knucklehead <clears throat> if you get a dog and you leave the poop piles laying all over. Don't clean up the poop piles. You know, the poop has hit the fan around here. I I think that <laughs> I, I, for know, the sake of friend, friends and family and loved ones. Yeah, well. And, you know, there's nothing worse than getting a wet stand-up, you know, or a, uh, uh, you know, standing in a pile of poo. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing like having to squeeze up between your toes and take your sock out. And Doug, we didn't need the gross. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm just saying, pick up your, if you have a dog, pick up the poo pile. I stayed okay. at a house one time that had a two-year-old son who would take his diaper off and poo on the floor. And, and that, uh, that knuckleheaded statement is not directly aimed at anyone it's just something i experienced and so it comes to my mind hey folks listen (laughs) keep your house clean that's what she's trying to say there and uh that's we'll just leave it at that you know the dog poops pick it up so i had this guy who worked for me once i hate to admit this he was in the army with me and uh he worked for me he was a young soldier he was a private and, you know, we took everybody, whole van load of people. Debbie and I took a whole van load of people. People worked for us and stuff. We took them down to Syracuse, New York from Fort Drum. It's up in Watertown, about an hour. You know, snowy that day. And uh, anyway, I tell you all that. We got back and hit. I told him, I said, your dog is out on the chain. We picked him up, you know, at his house. And he said, well, he's dead. I just don't want to tell my wife. Because it was like, you know, four degrees below zero. I thought maybe you should bring the dog in the house, you know. And he said, the dog's dead. I just don't want to tell my wife. Oh, my word. Anyway, you ought to talk about having a funny day. Uh, but they left the dog out, and it got below frozen. The dog froze to death. And it was a, it's like a year-old German shepherd. It just froze to death. Um, so, anyway, and it's not really funny. But anyhow, uh, it froze. about three months later, I got a call. They had rented an apartment, and they moved out, and they left 37 piles of dog poo in there. And the dog had been dead two weeks by the time they moved. Oh, that is sick. Yeah, so I thought I'd share that with you. Okay, you also get to the point. Things we don't say. Yeah. Nightmares tonight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this, we should probably, you know what, I'm going to take all that out. Don't worry about it, won't you? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, okay. So what do we, what what do we do? Yeah, I'm not real good at editing. What do we, (laughs) what do we do? Uh, What do we say what not to say to people with PTSD? What'd you come up with there? What not to say or do with people with well, PTSD? 
coming into a new year for me at least is very difficult um because it's it's a reminder of you know starting another year um alone or whatever and for different people there might be different reasons why starting a new year might be a difficult thing um and so I don't know that I'm going to say what not to say, but I would say encourage people you know who have PTSD with the fact that God is faithful, with the fact that entering a new year, yes, for some of us, it's something for me personally, I run from starting a new year um, in, in inside, you know, it's kind of like, but this year it feels safer, you know, the next year, look at all of the unknowns. I mean, 2018 was quite honestly the worst year of my life. Um, starting from the very beginning, I miscarried the first week we came down with whooping cough. I mean, it literally started off from January 1st to December 31st of 2018. It was a year full of valleys. And so it messed me up for starting new years and, and everyone, I think most people, um, if you have not had a year like that, unfortunately, I think most people end up with a year like that that changes their life what, for what feels like more negatives than positives. And so as we enter a new year, if you have a friend that has PTSD, show them love. Tell them you're praying for them. If God brings them to your mind at the start of, 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 of the new year, take time to pray for them. I ran into a lady today at the grocery store from our church, and um, here she is. She's been sick. And she says to me, God's really laid you on my heart. I know you deal with physical problems. How can I pray for you as we start the new year? And I cannot tell you how much that meant to me, knowing that just one person in my church, and I know there's others, but I'm saying that one person who's been sick herself the last week made an effort to ask me how she could pray for me and my health as we go into the new year. And so do that. Make a difference in someone's life. Just being asked and knowing that somebody's thinking of you like that, you don't know the difference you can make as they go into the new year of giving them encouragement and hope that, yes, God hasn't forgotten them. He still cares for their needs. No, that's really good. And, you know, I think it's, uh, um, I think it's a great thing to do for anybody really is just let people know who are going through the junk that you love them, you're praying for them. And that always encourages me when that happens. Thank you for that. So we've been in a book of Proverbs about being upright, about having integrity, about doing the right thing, about not ripping people off. And, you know, there's so many facets of this, but I like this next verse, Stephanie, here in uh, uh, the book of Proverbs in chapter 11 in verse number two, it says, when pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. So just looking right at that verse and, and uh, uh, again, you know, talking about pride and humility, how one is wise and how one is pretty bad. And uh, so what, what do you think, Stephanie, when we just looked at verse two? I think when I look at that, you know, there's another verse in Proverbs and I don't, I'm not thinking of the reference, but said that says pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And, the fact that when your life is governed by pride, you will. This is a promise God makes. It's a fact that when pride is what your governing factor, governing factor is in your life, the common denominator under everything you do, when it's pride, shame's coming. Yeah. For an eternity, 
But even in this life, God sometimes lets that pride lead to utter shame, utter um, humiliation, where God crumbles your tower (laughs) that you've built for yourself before you get to eternity. But for sure in eternity, period, it will will bring shame. You're going to stand if you're a Christian. You're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and watch your life be burned up. It's going to be wind and stubble. You're not going to inherit. You may be a child of God, but you're losing your inheritance when it comes to the kingdom. If you're living now with a common denominator of pride, and that's a scary, scary thing. Um, and so that's what comes to mind as I read this is the fact that the foolish man, his life is governed by pride because that pride is shifting sand and it's going to fall. And But then God gives us the contrast, as he does so often in Proverbs, that when you walk with God, when, when you live a Micah 6-8 life where you're doing justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with your God, when that's your governing factor, it says, with the lowly is wisdom. And I love that because this is eternal fruit. It doesn't say the lowly will always be rich. It doesn't say the lowly will always be at the top of the pile. It doesn't say that the lowly will be praised here on earth. But you have wisdom, and God is wisdom. Wisdom is personified in Jesus Christ. And when you're walking humbly with your God, he draws nigh to you, and you get to know Jesus. And that is the best reward in the entire world. It is. And, you know, I love that word. It's it's kind of a rare word we don't hear used much. We see it in the King James here, and that word lowly. And, and you know, it, it's, it's, it's this verb, and uh, it's the opposite of insubordination. It's the opposite of pride. It's the opposite of narciss- narcissism. It's actually a good word. So in today's society, if someone says, well, that's a low person, they're lowly, they don't understand that actually in this case, lowly is a really good word. It yeah. mean, you know, it means that I'm choosing this road of humility. I'm choosing this, this place to go where, you know, I'm going to take a hit for God. I'm going to let people uh, mess with me a little bit. And we're not saying we don't roll over and we- take a beating, but you know, I'm just saying that lowly here, that humility is a good thing. Uh, yeah. and, uh, being lowly is wisdom. It's being wise. It recognizes the truth about God and the truth about ourselves and, and and kind of where we fall in all that. And, and that's why I really like that verse too. And I know the verse, we're going to be coming across it soon. Uh, pride cometh. And, but I, I think that that's what we're reading here as well is uh, when pride comes, uh, Mm. then comes, you know, the idea there is, is uh, when pride cometh, then cometh shame. So when pride comes, comes shame. And shame's yeah. not a good thing. Shame's a bad word when you yeah. when it's shame when you mess up. You know, when you gotta yeah. tell a family member, tell your spouse, man, I messed up. That's on me. You know, I shame is a bad place to be. You feel really yeah. icky about yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know, and honestly, we should feel more shame to God for some of the things we say and do. And those, yeah. you know, and when that shame comes, we do, we feel it's, it's that icky, ugly feel we get, Stephanie, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, we've all been there and, uh, but the important thing out of this verse, we could beat this to death, but I think the important thing to walk away with is humility is the road you want to drive on and you want to, and pride is the road that the world teaches. 
So you need to, we need to spend some time. We need to spend time in the Word of God. We need to think about what humility is. We need to think about how it falls together with us, and, and we need to drive from there. I, that's all I think. I think we can move to three, but I just think that, you know, pay attention. Pay attention to how we navigate this world. Pay attention to how we're viewed in this world. And, and honestly, you know, a, a big part of this is how we look out for one another. Uh, others are a big part of our lives. And, and when we internalize, when it's just about our family, when we shut down people, I remember when I came into ministry and I studied for the ministry at the seminary and stuff like that. One of, one of the pastors came in and he had just like this giant mega church. He had graduated from our seminary 20 years earlier or something. He had a huge church uh, down in Florida. And he started talking about the responsibility of a pastor. And he said one of the harder things from him was others. You know, mm. as, especially during the holidays and stuff. He came and gave our last sermon in December. That he just wanted to lock down with his family, and God put it on his heart. Now you got to have something special at church this week on Christmas week. Yeah. Not necessarily Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. You got to have something special for New Year's with your church family because they're your family too. And uh, and he said that built his church. You know mm. that that brought the church to a different place where he where the pastor had that much more meaning you know, that people meant that much more to him, uh, mm-hmm. that he was willing to spend those, those Christmas days, those, those tough, tough times. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, so I always remembered that, but that's again, the humility choosing that the integrity, it tells us in verse number three of the upright shall guide them, but the pervasiveness of transgressors shall destroy them. So integrity, of the upright guides them. And uh, our integrity, if we're upright, if we're standing upright, will will guide us. That's of the Lord. But the pervasiveness, that ugliness, that that terribleness, that unfaithfulness, that crooked way, um, that leads to destruction. I mean, you're seeing that verse, Stephanie. And what comes to your mind? Well, I think there's this idea that again, you know, we talked about in verse one, the the whole false balance thing. And here we have this contrast of the integrity of the upright shall guide them. In other words, I think there's a sense in which when you make God's word, a lamp into your feet and a light into your path, you will be someone of integrity. Um, It will be an outworking. It's not a possible outcoming. It will be the outworking. It will be who define what defines you. And so this idea that, the, your integrity, in other words, um, I guess I think of the life of Joseph, and, and we see through his life, if there's one thing that defined Joseph, it was integrity. Um, it governed him through all of the valleys he went through. His integrity was his guide. And I think because integrity is a characteristic of someone who is walking with God, who fears God, who wants to please God. And it's sad to say that there can be unsaved people who have more integrity than Christians. Okay, that's just a blunt, honest fact. And that's, so hard, to, I, that's hard to swallow. Yeah, It is disgusting, but it's the truth yeah. for someone who may not know God as Savior, but they fear him, okay? Um, we think of our forefathers that started our country. Some of them did not know Christ as Savior, but they had a fear and respect of God. And when you have that fear and respect of God, God will honor that. And so this is a foundation, I think, for all of life. Um, and when you, you know, for someone who has PTSD, it takes integrity it takes it takes facing the rough things when you have PTSD and you want to stay in bed. 
you don't really want to get up. You don't really want to function. It's integrity that gets you up. It, yeah. And it's fear of God and that respect of God, and it will lead you. It will guide you. It will propel you through life. And so um, this, I think this, this involves so many realms, but the fact that it will be, um, God promises he will guide us with his eye. He will give us that guidance. And so I think of in one way, this is almost like this is God personified again in the sense of when you make that choice to be upright, when you make that choice that I'm going to be honest, I'm going to do the rough things. Um, if I mess up, I'm going to have the integrity to admit to it and make it right. That's when God can lead and guide you because you're someone he can work with and change into his image. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I think integrity is a real, uh, you know, it's, it's a watchword for Christians. It's, uh, yeah, it's not always, but but it's hard to accept that the the guy down the road has more integrity than the guy sitting next to you at church or gal or whatever. And going back to you, you know, the great uh, alarm ripoff that you went through, or, you know, I've been ripped off by Christians. I mean, I, there's still Christians who owe me money and stuff. I mean, it's, what do you do? Uh, but, but I'm telling you, it comes down to us individually uh, saying, you know, where are we at? You know, this is something we need to look in the mirror here and say, you know, uh, we want to be guided. We want, you know, integrity, the mm-hmm. person with an integrity is being guided by God. It's a watchword, his word. And we're living by that, but you know, uh, the perversity, uh, or pervasiveness and, you know, it's, it's being crookedness and being unfaithful, being, being, you know, again, you know, there's a cleverness and whenever anyone uses the word cunning or clever, or, you know, that's going to that narcissism level. That's going to that bad place. If, if somebody can use, excuse me, if somebody can use the word cunning or clever with a Christian, you're going down the wrong road. Uh, You know, you're, you're living wrong. If that, if those words can be used about you, you're living wrong. That's all I'm saying. You're in the, you're, you're in the wrong place. Right. And, and I think there's a sense in which this is, it disgusts me and I hate it, but many Christians have become very good salesmen. And, and I don't mean that in a good way. I'm not saying it's wrong to be a salesman. Yeah. But very, I I mean, I, I know I've known salesmen in the past, um, who, who, knew how to sell their product, but then they would laugh behind closed doors about, well, we know that, you know, there would be something a little off, I guess is the best way to put it about their dealings. Yeah. And that a Christian shouldn't be known as a good salesman. We need to be known as being real. A good salesman is just great at selling his product, whatever that is. And are you selling, if you're good at sharing the gospel, you're not a good salesman because that's giving of yourself. A good salesman is doing something to get himself something better in return. And I'm not saying God's gifted some people to be better at, at getting bargains or whatever. And obviously that those are all gifts from God. But in the end, as we talked, you talk, I think you mentioned it yesterday, is the end goal to benefit yourself or is it to be giving of yourself? Because that's who Jesus Christ is. That's what he does. And that's what an upright person will do. That's integrity. Um, yeah. Yes. A truly rich person truly rich. And I don't mean in possessions or in money. A truly rich person is someone who is giving of himself. And that is, that will be um, a defining factor of you could, because that is integrity. That's yeah. it's all one lump package. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think that's a good place to close. And, and again, you know, the chapter 11 dealing with integrity, dealing with standing upright, uh, you know, letting the Lord guide us. And, and over and over again, we're seeing humility is a big part of that. Humility equals wisdom, that word lowly. Mm. And uh, I think that's what we got out of it today. Listen, folks, we love you. Please ensure that you listen to every word Brother Eric has to say over there with our production folks. And, and uh, we want to make sure that you know for sure that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Well, we sure do love you. Look us up on Helpful Wounded Spirits. Stop by and see us. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. It is very important to all of us at Help for Wounded Spirits that you know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear with a simple salvation message. You can know today. First, you're a sinner, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, there's a price on sin, for the wages of sin is death. Third, Jesus paid that price for you. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lastly, you must speak it with your mouth, and believe it with your heart, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made known unto salvation. Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart, and he will. Please contact us if we can help you in any way. God bless you. Doug and Stephanie, thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources, more information, or to donate to help this vital ministry, visit us at WoundedSpirits.com.